Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. I'm Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I talk with someone who has an awesome name, Adam Steele, and he's the founder over at Loganics. And Loganics is basically an agency that caters to SEOs and other agencies that need premium link building services. And I I actually didn't know about Loganics until I received an email. They sent a cold email to me, I guess because I have such a cool YouTube channel maybe, I'm not sure. But they reached out to me and they were like, hey, uh, maybe we could work together Here's some of the stuff we're working on. And then I was like, oh, I'll go check it out. I get a lot of pitches, but this one looked, I don't know, there was something that seemed a little bit better. And when I hopped over there, I saw they had uh, some testimonials by some pretty prominent folks like Nick Eubanks from I'mFromTheFuture.com and then Brian Dean, who I'm more familiar with from Backlinko. And I was like, well, if these dudes think Loganics is legit, then maybe I should check them out. So at that point, I started working with them a little bit, testing out some services, and I really liked what I was seeing. So not only does Loganics have like some good services, they also have like some great educational content. So I'll put links and stuff to that. But I talked to Adam, who, like I said, is the founder of Loganics, and it was very insightful. We talk about uh, like getting started with SEO in general. We talked about running an agency and a lot of detailed stuff about working as an SEO and just the SEO factors that are out there in general. Um, We talk a little bit about like a link building plan for new sites and that sort of thing. We even digress. I couldn't help myself. If you listen to many of these episodes, you realize I go on tangents often just if I'm interested in something. And we talk about Vancouver because I recently visited uh, the Vancouver area and Adam, is uh, he's lived there for a pretty long time. So it was interesting to hear his take as a local person that lived in, in Vancouver or that does live in Vancouver and how it's changed over the years. Because that was the first time that I ever visited Vancouver and it was a little bit different than I expected. So anyway, we talk about all sorts of stuff. Like I said, I'll put links in the description uh, so you can get to like some of the educational content over on the blog section of Loganics. And additionally, I'll show you uh, or I'll put a link for like the guest posting packages and services and stuff that I've used um, that I've, I've been very happy with. So anyway, if you happen to be listening to your first Doug Show episode, Thanks a lot. Do have a look at some of the other episodes out there. I go deep on many topics, but I mainly talk about Amazon affiliate marketing, SEO, and uh, actually there's a lot of random stuff too. So I'll be, I'll be honest with you, but that's the main focus. So do have a look around. If you dig it, that's great. Subscribe, tell a friend, all that kind of stuff. So let's hear from Adam now. Hey, what's going on? It's Doug Cunnington here, and welcome to The Doug Show. I'm sitting with Adam Steele of Loganics. How's it going today? It's going really well, Doug. How are you doing? Doing awesome. I'm uh, fresh back from vacation, so I'm a little rusty. So this is a a couple false starts here, but we're good to go now. (laughs) So you and I sort of connected recently. Um, You run uh, basically a sort of a link building company, right? And for the other people that don't know you that well, can you give a little intro about yourself and what you do at your company? Sure. So um, my name is Adam Steele. I've been doing SEO and maybe more specifically link building for about 10 years now, just shy of, I suppose. And Loganics, the company that uh, we've run since more or less day one, does link building. We do a couple other things, but for the most part, our bread and butter is link building. So things like uh, guest post outreach or manual outreach on behalf of clients. Um, We do a little bit of citation building. So we'll have a a bunch of different citation related products or GMB related products. And finally, some sort of higher tier placements. So placements on big sites with, you know, 10, 20, 50 million organics per month, that type of stuff. So sort of the gamut of, um, of SEO 
services. Uh, and our main customer tends to be either agencies or folks with, um, you know, maybe like a marketing director or something knows what he's, he or she is doing, but, uh, you know, wishes to not train a team, wishes to not have the head count. And so just sources it out to us and, and we take care of them. Got it. And how did you get started with like SEO in general? I mean, 10 years is a very long time in this industry. Um, so yeah, how, what was your sort of gateway in? Yeah, gateway is a good word. Yeah, my gateway drug was affiliate marketing, as it was for many, many folks. And I was introduced to affiliate marketing at an affiliate marketing company. I worked in compliance, so I essentially looked at incoming traffic, whether it be generated via email or display ads or what have you, and just make sure that everything was legit. And if it wasn't, then scrub it for our advertisers. And so that exposed me to to SEO, certainly, um, but also to uh, social ads and uh, email and, and many other sort of traffic uh, channels. And so from there, I left the affiliate marketing company and started um, my own agency trying to take some of the traffic generation ideas that I had seen folks, the affiliates uh, sort of engaging in and then trying to take those same approaches for, uh, for clients like small, medium sized businesses. And so that's was my first sort of foray uh, into internet marketing. How long were you at that first company where you know, you got paid to learn, it sounds like. Yeah, it totally was uh, sort of a pay-to-learn experience. I was there for all of something like six months, and then just sort of, I think it got to the point where I'd seen enough enough affiliates making ridiculous money, and they're all, it's so weird, they're so young, so I, I could see myself in them, essentially. Like, I just figured, well, here's, an, here's I think I was in my early, early 20s at the, at the time. So here's a 21-year-old or so, and we're just about to send him a check for six figures for a month's work. And I'm just like, what the hell is going on here? And so, you know, the, the glamour and whatnot caught my eye, and I just figured I could maybe do it myself. You could figure it out. And what, uh, what's your educational background, or did you have any other sort of marketing experience before you were in at that agency? Accounting. I was an accounting student. I, my, um, my pop was, or is an accountant. And so I had imagined a life in accounting because he had done quite well and it seemed like a good fit and he had his own accountancy. So just, just sort of made sense. So I was in what was previously called the chartered accountants, the CA program, uh, program and I got maybe two and a half years before I bailed. Okay, gotcha. So you never you you got started, but you didn't finish get your degree. Okay, no, not at all. Cool, smart. It's like you got you saw just <laughs> enough, met a couple yeah. people, experienced uh, university, and moved on. So, and I mentioned before we kind of go on tangents. And where were you located, by the way? Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Okay, cool. So I just. I went on this vacation and uh, mm-hmm. I drove to Alaska from Colorado. So it was a pretty long way. Wow. And um, we came back through Vancouver, which was beautiful, by the way. But have, have you lived there a long time? Yeah, either Vancouver or Victoria, which is on Vancouver Island, just off the coast of Vancouver Okay, um, for the majority of my life. I've lived up as far as... Do you know where the Yukon is? You probably would have passed through there on the way to Alaska, I yep. imagine. We drove yeah. through. Yeah, so I, I lived in Whitehorse for my first, well, I was think kindergarten through to grade three, I want to say, something like that. Okay. Cool, yeah, so, we drove uh, through Whitehorse. Yeah. Oh, so cool. Yeah, yeah, I haven't been there in a very long time. I'm sure it's changed a bunch, but yeah, you drew, drove through some beautiful countryside along the way, some beautiful it's, forests. Yeah. It's like indescribable. Uh, like Canada is so big. Everyone's so nice. You already know that. But um, one thing I was going to bring up is like everyone always told me like, hey, Vancouver is fantastic. You would love it. I like sort of out, you know, outdoorsy kind of stuff. And all that was fine. But I've after I talked to some folks, 
I've heard in the last couple years it's just changed quite a bit in Vancouver. Um, maybe traffic's a little worse. A lot of the um, just real estate prices or bananas and stuff. Just curious. Have you observed the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, there's been a lot of a lot of immigration into Vancouver, and with that came a lot of money, and a lot of that money was put into homes, um, many of which are <laughs> which are are or were empty. And so our government's been working really hard, um, somewhat successfully, maybe, at uh, putting taxes into place to sort of regulate that a little bit. But and and the market has certainly slowed since. But that type of investment um, triggered a lot of change in Vancouver, for better or for worse. So yeah, definitely our the price, the cost of living here in Vancouver. It's always been, I think, relatively expensive, but um, certainly in the past you know five to ten years it's it's skyrocketed everything's someone was saying that was there's a um a woman visiting from from the uk i was talking with her and said uh she pays about a pound or i don't know what that the equivalent or the the conversion is but i imagine it's not too far from one to one or maybe one to 1.4 or something like that but she pays a pound for a pineapple and she goes to the grocery store here in vancouver and it's seven bucks which, you know, works out to be, you know, let's say five and a half American, something right. like that. Wow, yeah. she, she, that's really cheap because, like, I'm paying closer to what you're – the price that you mentioned sure. there. Um, yeah. I guess there's pineapples closer to the I – don't, I don't know. I don't know. We, <laughs> I guess we get them from Hawaii or something like that. But uh, um, okay. anyway, let's get back on topic <laughs> and appreciate the digression there. I mean, it was super interesting, like, traveling and, you know – checking all that stuff out and to get a, you know, a local's um, opinion, a native to Vancouver. So, okay. Sure. Back to SEO. Let's, let's get into it. So you've been doing SEO for quite a while and obviously um, there's a lot of algorithm updates that Google pushes out. So how have you dealt with that over the years? Um, Sounds like you've, I guess, successfully navigated those waters. So what can you tell us about that? I think, I, I don't, I certainly don't claim to be, there's a lot of more technical SEOs in the, in the sort of technical SEO definition sense, but also just more technical SEOs, if, if that makes sense, um, than myself. And so for me, SEO was never a super, super passion. And thus I never dug in quite as much as, as some other folks. So I, I, Tend to, tended to stick to what I knew and what I could understand and what I cared enough to to read up on and, and practice and that kind of thing. And what that ended up being is just sort of the basics, like what, what has worked since the beginning and continues to work now. And those tend to be things around content and structuring content and um, – all that kind of stuff. Uh, link building, link building has always been, you know, going back to back when, I don't know, I think it was AOL or something like that had a business directory and they were selling links in that business directory for like 400 bucks or something like that. Like that, I don't know how many years ago that was, but it was very long time. It was well before I even started. So I just have focused on the core things and then everything if I can't achieve the results that I require with just the core um, sort of principles or core um, sort of tenets of SEO, then that's when I hire smarter people than myself to do the more technical stuff. So for me personally, I've just stuck to, to the basics and tried to be really, really good, or I shouldn't even say that, just tried to do as well as I could at the basics and, and that served me pretty well. I, I find I've hired a number of SEOs in the past, and the ones that we've kept are the ones that don't lose themselves in the details. It's very easy to lose, your, lose yourself in these little minute details that have uh, very little SEO benefit and spent uh, too much time doing sort of the 80% that doesn't provide any of the value sort of thing. Um, and we've sort of always been about 
focusing on that that 20% that provides 80% of the value. And uh, so that's, that's sort of been how I've approached it over the years. Nice. I, I find myself doing the same sort of thing that you mentioned. Like, here's some core stuff that mostly works most of the time. And if you stick to that and you do it pretty good, like you'll do okay. Generally, those are like a little bit less risky. They're not necessarily going to work like as fast as some mm-hmm. maybe trendy flash in the pan kind of thing, which is fine because, I mean, I think you, know, you and your clients and, and me and you know the other folks that I, I work with, it's like we want a long-term um, sort of more secure, less risky situation. And I take it you're working with pretty big businesses, so they don't want to mess around with uh, potentially the livelihood of the business. So that totally makes sense. And I guess quick summary. So you were like link building in a, you know, conservative way and then just straight up solid content, right? More or less. And then just, you know, just being good at onsite, just basic onsite stuff, just, just doing the basics. I, I think just people forget about just the basics, doing the basics really well. And then, then you can, you know, approach everything else and think about how you might improve, you know, click through rate in the SERPs and how you might occupy more real estate in the SERPs and, uh, you know, be it through schema or other things. So do the simple stuff first and then, sure. and then get to the more complicated, uh, time intensive, budget intensive types of, of things. Okay. Yeah. So let's, let's go into some of the content stuff. So you were like, just do some of those basic on-site um, SEO things correctly. So I imagine some of that is around like the title, some subheadings, images. Can you just kind of hit a checklist of some of the things that you know people should be looking at for on-page? Yeah, I, the list is is long and I certainly don't have it memorized sure. and I certainly don't claim to uh, be able to just name them off or anything like that. Cause it's not something I personally spend a lot of time on anymore, but you know, one of the sort of, again, sort of main sort of tenets of our approach and certainly other people's approach is not, not new or anything, but is we tend to just kind of approach everything from a SERP level. So look at the, the keywords that, that we're after, look at who's presently ranking, look at sort of the average of those folks, like what is the average effort, what's the average content look like, what, what's working essentially, and then create our strategy around, around that. And so I mean, what we did sort of previous to that is we would just go all out as many words as we could squeeze on a page, like just crazy, crazy stuff that would take us a lot of time um, and sometimes not be particularly great quality um, and cost a lot of money oftentimes. And we've since scaled that back quite a bit and just take taken a very sort of SERP focused uh, approach to the work that we do. So we pull up all the websites um, that are ranking for that particular keyword. Just take notes on what what types of things we're seeing. What is the average of the things that we're seeing, and how can we just do slightly better than than that average? And then we would go out and and do that. And that's everything from content structure. How they're structuring that particular content? Is it a list that seems to be winning, or does it seem to be more of an editorial style uh, piece that's working? How many shares are these particular pieces receiving? So we know how much, you know, how much effort we need to put on the sort of social side of things or the content promotion side of things and all those sort of things. Um, obviously, there's a lot of sort of basics in just writing content and writing the titles around the content and simple things like title tag and meta description and what have you. But um, I think that stuff is generally more well un- well understood and it's usually, again, sort of the, the details where people are losing themselves and not just focusing on what what is proven to work. What is Google basically serving us on a platter and saying, hey, this is what's going to work. So just do this. Don't don't go too, too, too crazy. Got it. And it, I like the simplicity there. You have data that you can analyze. It's free. You can go look at it. So totally. That's awesome. So when you have like a new client. Um, I take it you do sort of an audit of like what, um, I guess, where they're at and potential keywords that they're going for. You'll do that audit for them, that sort of thing. Or how does that work? I'm just curious about, you know, new person comes in and then 
they hire you for like a managed services kind of deal. Sure. I should just sort of at the outset mention that that is a sort of very small part of the business that we do manage services. We sort of foresee it being a bigger part of it as supposing that we can get the price to a point where it makes sense for agencies. Like an agency is typically taking in two, three, maybe $4,000, like on average per month from, from a client. So we've got to price ourselves uh, accordingly. And that's, it's been tricky to do over the years. Um, so it's never been a huge part of, of our uh, business. So typically when we get a client, it's, it's an agency or it's somebody who really knows what they want already. And so we're looking through a much more sort of narrow lens than looking at, you know, the whole website and saying, okay, you know, these are sort of the, the biggest opportunities for you. But, um, you know, when it does come to, uh, you know, a client approaching us, typically we're, the, the first question we ask us is what is your, your outcome? Like what, don't tell me the tasks. Cause a lot of times they come to me with the tasks because that's how they're used to working. Uh, so it'll be like, you know, I'm going to need some citations. I'm going to need this and I'm, that's all great and whatnot. But, you know, if you do want our consult, uh, I need to know what is sort of the, the ideal outcome for you or what is the ideal outcome for your client? What have they hired you to do? What is the, the sort of net result that they want? And then we just kind of reverse engineer um, whatever it is that they want by usually looking at their competitors who are kicking ass, um, doing whatever it is that they want and put together a plan based on based on that. Again, not trying to reinvent the wheel or anything, just looking at what's working in that particular SERP and then advising accordingly. So we might say, you know, it looks like this client's, you know, this competitor's link velocity has been such for so long and they already have, you know, you know, an average uh, domain rank of, you know, among their referring domains of X. So and yours is this. So we need to get ours at least up to, you know, sort of this point. Um, and we might start saying, OK, well, in order to do that, we need to be acquiring links of sort of this quality and this quantity and sort of put together a little bit of a plan for them. Again, not, not a, that, that sort of very customized approach is not super, super formal in that we're putting together this huge document. It's usually something that is just a conversation. You know, we just, uh, somebody, one of our clients would, would say, Hey, could I bug you for a little bit of your time? I get on the phone with them and we just go through it together and we just try and identify the best opportunities for, you know, for their buck. Yeah. So nothing too crazy, quite honestly. Got it. That makes sense. So shifting gears a little bit, let's say, um, there's some beginners out there, which I, I guess most people are beginners or they haven't started yet. So what are some common mistakes that they make with SEO, whether it's on page or off page or whatever, um, just advice that you can give. Yeah. Hmm. Well, the first one that came to mind and maybe I'll, it'll help me think of other ones, but the first one that came to mind is, um, what seems to be, I, I, I often take for granted what I think everybody knows and often not quite so many people as I think know what, what I know anyway. Um, anyways, uh, there, we did a study not too long ago, uh, maybe only a week ago around the correlation between Google, my business rankings and organic rankings. And so a lot, there seems to be, um, there, there's a, enough people, I think that, uh, imagine that, they don't have to be ranking super well organically to rank well in Google My Business. And that might be true in small, like not so competitive markets. But our research, when we you know, basically looked at a bunch of different um, metros, actually varying size populations, we didn't want to just focus on metros. We wanted to do um, uh, cities of, you know, multi-million uh, population. We wanted to do some in the six figures and we wanted to do some in the sort of five figure population. And we did a whole whack of different professions. So it might have been dentists, locksmiths, um, try, to, try to sort of really run the gamut of different types of, of um, industries or niches. And essentially what we determined or 
I guess we could say we found some correlation was that the better organic rankings you had, the more likely you were to show up in Google My Business or show up well in Google My Business, like top three, for example. There was really clear correlation between the top three um, uh, listings in Google My Business. So to answer your question, I think there is not enough attention placed on organic rankings when the goal is to rank well in Google My Business. Folks tend to just not spend enough enough time there. Mm-hmm. The other one that comes to mind, also related to uh, local search, is uh, folks tend to spend more time than they need to on citation building. It, it's, I think, in the last you know few years, citation building itself is has become less maybe not maybe not less important but just it doesn't need to occupy as much time as perhaps we put into it previously and so what i usually recommend folks do is they start with an audit of their existing citations and that's something that um, that we offer it's seven bucks super super cheap delivers uh very quickly and gives them a sort of a lay of the land citation wise and from there, they're able to sort of decide, okay, well, I, you know, my competitors have X amount of citations. I should probably have, you know, whatever, uh, Y amount of citations. So I just recommend people just get that out of the way right away. Do it in one shot. Um, you know, maybe it's 100 citations. Get it over with and move on and don't, don't revisit it or don't make it this monthly effort or anything because it's – it's not that big of a chunk of sort of the pie, if you will. So get it done and move on to things like uh, reviews on your Google My Business page or um, more importantly, probably, I believe, the organic rankings. So work on, on your, your link building. So those are two things that, that come to mind right away, right away um, that, uh, that I see quite often. Gotcha. Cool. And I'll, I will give you, you sort of implicitly said this earlier where um, I'll, I'll uh, rephrase it and just give you this answer. Um, it's basically like people skipping over the basics or maybe spending too much time on things that don't really matter or it's like to get to like 99% to 99.5%. Like they're doing these things, spending all this time and really they should spend their time on like the basic four or five things that like, we know those work and they get you 80% of the way there. Um, And I see it all the time. And I, I mean, frankly, I can't blame a new person. There's all this information coming at them. People are trying to sell products, you know, I'm guilty of it. I'm, you're guilty of it a little bit too, right? Like we're all trying to sell something or other, um, but it's hard to distinguish for a beginner like what's really important and what's not because everyone is saying, hey, this is the most important thing. You have to do X. So um, I, I just know, I, I mean, I did it in the beginning too where I was like doing all this stuff thinking it mattered and really it was just like one guy once did it and then it kind of worked for him, but he wasn't sure. And then I listened to him and then, you know, chasing my tail around. So any comments on that, uh, sort of idea or if not, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we talked about that a little bit. Um, we only have, you know, for, for clients and even for, you know, affiliate sites and whatnot, we only have so much budget to spend on our projects. So we have to be intelligent about how we spend that. And so I'm not saying don't do those small things. Like, we've been playing around a lot with like FAQ schema and things like that. And it's made a big difference in our click through rate. Um, believe it or not, you'd think that people would, you know, just get their information from those schema that from the FAQ schema and boom, they don't, they don't need to go to your website, but that's not been the case at all. Having that extra uh, chunk of, of cert, people are still clicking on that link and more so than, than pre uh, FAQ schema. So the, the little things are still important, but if I've got a thousand bucks per month to spend on a project, I'm not putting $800 into those little things. I'm putting $800 into the things that have worked for a very long time and continue to work. And then I'm putting $200 into the little things that are going to make sort of the incremental, um, uh, incremental differences. So yeah. Cool. 
All right. So we got some juicy link building questions we're going to get to in a second. But before we do, I'm very interested in hearing like your story and transition from an employee at an agency to starting your own agency. Um, I don't know how many people are on your team now. I imagine it's quite a few given the amount of work that you're doing. But can you just talk about like from employee to business owner and someone who needs to scale, work with clients and all that stuff? I had a, um, I had a couple influences in my life early on that were business owners and that I, uh, including my dad, um, that I just, I really looked up to and I, I looked at their lifestyle and I could imagine that being my own. I, the, the hard work didn't, I liked the hard work. I, they put in crazy amounts of hours. Um, so that, that didn't bother me. And it just, it just was super attractive to me. Um, just, you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up, uh, until kind of later on. And I could just see how these, uh, Oh, nice dog. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yes. Yeah, ah, Georgie. I uh, love Georgie. Georgie, you want to come over here? Hey, girl. George. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cute. Anyways. I, so I just, I, I just, I looked at the lifestyle that I could have if I applied myself and sort of, um, just did what I understood that they did. And accounting obviously didn't, wasn't the thing, but my, the other influence, um, my buddy's father, um, was, he was into internet marketing as well. And, uh, I can't remember exactly which sort of part of internet marketing, but I just, I saw him traveling, speaking, all these types of things. And I thought, man, I could, I could do that. Like I could have that lifestyle. And so from there on, and this was early on, this was high school for sure. Uh, from then on, I, I think I kind of knew that that was the direction I'd be going in eventually. I just had to find the thing. And um, as a high schooler, I didn't really know the thing. I thought I was accounting. And then later on, I figured out it was something else. But um, so from there, I just like I, I said, you know, I worked for that affiliate marketing agency for a little bit, uh, six months or so. And then it just I think it was just naivete. But I just I believed I could do it and I could yeah. do it right now. And, and so I just, I quit and there was just, I think for the, everybody has a different personality for me. Uh, I have sort of the, uh, I, I can't remember who, who phrases it this way. I want to say it's Tony Robbins, but he says, burn the boats. And, and that was kind of the thing. I just, I took the leap and, um, I didn't have it. I felt like I didn't have a choice but to succeed, especially as I told more and more people about what I was doing. I felt this sort of social pressure that I couldn't let all these people down. Like I would be ashamed to let them down because I, it just, I just couldn't. And so, uh, I just, I took what little I knew. I tried to sell the clients, totally failed at that because they could tell I didn't know what I was doing. Like they could see it. And I remember they had introduced at the agency or the, the affiliate marketing company, they had introduced me to uh, internet marketing forums. And so I had an account already just from doing compliance on Wicked Fire. We, was trying to, we were trying to spot, you know, uh, our affiliates who may be bragging about doing, uh, you know, sending junk traffic and things like that. So we spent a lot of time kind of digging around there and seeing what people were doing. And... So that's where I started. I just started learning from the people that were on that forum, trying to emulate what they were doing. And I actually just found my first buy, sell, trade thread. Uh, at the time, the company that I, the name of the company I'd come up with was Creature Local. And I found this thread. It was from 2010, I think November 2010. And I had just looked at what other people were doing on the buy, sell, trade uh, threads. And I just more or less copied them. I come up with uh, a couple ideas. It didn't sell super well at first. So I ended up, um, selling Gmail addresses. So again, I'd seen that some people were selling Gmail addresses to people who were, I guess, automating social bookmarks and things like that. So I just, I literally just started creating Gmail addresses by the hundred 
and packing them up and selling them. And that was good because it, I, be, I created trust among that community. And so when I did come out with, you know, once they started to recognize that I could do other things, there was already that trust component. And so from there, I went to selling them citations and then links and all that kind of stuff. And very quickly, like all my team are contractors, always happen. They are abroad, they're remote, um, distributed, as they say. And my first hire, John, was back then in, in 2010. He's still with me. And many of the, of the folks that we hired back then are, are strangely still with us. And we just it's kind of snowballed from, from there. And, and today, uh, I think, give or take, we're 15 full-timers, give or take. And then a bunch of like part-timers that we either pay, you know, maybe they only do 20 hours a week, or maybe we pay them on a unit, like per unit basis. Um, you know, we pay them X for one citation or, or Y for 10 citations or, or what have you. So, gotcha. wow. yeah, that's, that's, that's sort of the story, if you will. Yeah, that's all. I mean, I like how you got started just about as small as you can doing like a little bit. After you, it sounds like you, you tried to sell some services to clients, but they were like, ah, we don't think so yet, Adam. (laughs) Um, but then you were like, okay, I got to approach this differently. You iterated and then you slowly grew more work than you could handle. And you were just slowly hired people over time. Right. Yeah. At some point I couldn't create all those, um, Gmails myself. (laughs) So somebody, somebody needed to help me. I remember being on this it was sort of my first first vacation um, since becoming a business owner. And quite honestly, thinking back on it, I had no business being on that vacation. I was broke. And I did it anyways. And I remember spending the entire vacation sitting on the, um, on the balcony uh, on my laptop, building either citations myself, so submitting to people to Yelp and the like, and creating Gmail addresses. And that was... My, my first vacation is awesome. Oh, where, where were you at? Mexico, I think. Oh, yeah, man. Mexico. Oh, man, living the dream. You're like near a beach, <laughs> but not on it. You could see it yeah. maybe from where you were at. Damn. I got close. <laughs> yeah. See, and like that, that's the rough part, like with owning your business, right? If you go on vacation and someone's covering for you at, at your corporate job, it's like, ah, who cares? They'll figure it out. You know, they can't reach me. But like nowadays, we're just connected by our phone and like at all times anyone can bug you. So interesting. So, um, you, you said you got about 15 people. Um, now just curious, do you have like some, uh, org structure in place or is it pretty flat? Everybody reports to you. Yeah, there, there's some structure. It's, it's a work in progress. It's never, it's kind of like a web website. It's never done. You're always picking at it. You're never really happy with it. Uh, it's a labor of love. And so, uh, you know, every month or two, I'm adjusting the org structure and trying to find something, trying to identify where people are there, where can people are strongest and put them in that, you know, uh, put them in the position that sort of best matches the outcome that I'm looking for, um, match them to the outcomes essentially. And yeah, it's, it's an, it's a never ending thing. I, too many people report to me presently. I'm trying to fix that. Uh, the goal is to have about three people that uh, report to me. But like okay. I said, it's a, it's a work in progress. If you want to talk afterwards, my background is project management. I worked for like some consulting companies. So I've done oh, amazing. that sort of stuff before I got laid off. So we could take it offline later. Um, yes, happy please. To help out. So w- one thing I want to ask you is it's amazing that you have some of the same people that you hired from years ago still working with you. Why do you think that's the case? Uh, nobody's asked me that before. I don't know. I, I think, I don't know. Um, I think we pay them very fairly. Um, we, I, 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 Sometimes I, I recently entered a partnership and my partner sometimes gives me crap about this, but I, I, I don't think of the fact that, you know, this individual is in the Philippines and a dollar to them is much different than a dollar to, to me, uh, in my country. I've never really 
spent a lot of time thinking about that. And so we just pay them kind of like we would pay somebody here, you know, just based on, on, on their skills, maybe not quite like I, mean, I might pay somebody here. I might have to pay somebody here a little bit more, but it's not that far from, and that, and I think that was, um, became my approach from early on. And so I, I think that's fairly true of, of everyone on our team, maybe, yeah, I would say pretty well everyone on our team is we just didn't think so much about, um, you know, okay, well, they're from the Philippines, so I can pay them like $3 an hour and they're going to live like a king. I hear that all the time. And I think that's ridiculous. Um, I think you ought to pay them for the value that they're creating. And yeah, so I think that's probably a part of it. And I think maybe that sort of fair fairness probably trickles down into other aspects of, of my management style, if you will, which I, 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 I don't think I'm, my partner is much, a much better manager than me. I can tell, I, I've always been able to tell he's, he's just so empathetic. He's always asking people how they're feeling and all that kind of thing. And I'm, I'm a little bit robotic in that I just kind of focus on, on what I'm, I'm doing. And I, you know, I, I clock in, I clock out and, uh, and I just, I, some, sometimes I forget that I'm working with human beings here and it doesn't hurt to be a little bit more human here and there. So it, I, I wouldn't claim to have it figured out. I'm still trying to, trying to work on it. Cool. That, that all makes sense. So let's shift gears. We got a few more minutes left. We'll try and get through all these juicy link building questions. Um, sure. We'll sort of treat them rapid fire and, um, I think folks are going to like this. I could tell already just our conversation went well and everything. So um, maybe we do a round two in the future if you're up for it. But let's do Please. these link builders. All right. Um, just quick overview, like link building for like a brand new site. And you could talk a little bit about link velocity as well. But just what's your approach? Uh, again, kind of going to the SERP, seeing what's up and seeing what's working. Um, but generally speaking, you know, if we're talking about a local business, I'm starting with getting those citations done right away, just getting them done. I know they take forever to get indexed. So it's, it's like the first thing I do and I forget about it. And then I move on to, um, trying to do where possible, a mix of both locally focused stuff. So stuff from websites in their locale. So it might be, you know, if we're talking about a garage door company, let's say, uh, then I'm thinking about, okay, who are their vendors? Uh, where are they located? Are they also located in, in Vancouver? Who's supplying them? Do they have websites? Where might we get a link on their website? Do Does my client have any kids? Do those kids play on any sports teams? Could we sponsor those sports teams for a link on a website? Like, uh, things, just things like that, that I can put my client to work on because generally those, they're, they're not going to be fast at any of that. And so if I can get them started really, really early on, just kind of picking at their address book, um, anybody, anybody they know locally that has a website, I want to find a way onto that website, whether it's topically relevant or not, I don't care. I want the, the locally relevant. Those are the hardest, the hardest links to get in, in my experience. And sometimes it requires picking up a phone and people don't always like to, to do that. So yeah, it takes time. It takes effort and getting it started early is really smart. The other stuff um, tends to be sort of more of the um, the guest post type of stuff. Usually it's it's relation ba- relationship based approach. We have um, and long have had a sort of Rolodex, if you will, of webmasters in a whole whack of different niches. And so our next step would be for us to go to work and start contacting some of these folks and see how we might. And this is a really important thing, I think, and something that I think folks tend to forget is um, you need to, you ought to, maybe not need, but you ought to, I think. um, And I think your response is going to be quite a bit better. If you do try to find ways to create value for these, um, for these webmasters and these contributors and these, um, whoever they might be like, how can, if it's a webmaster, how might I bring value to their business? How are they making money? How might my content bring them more money? Have I done the research around that? Could I do some keyword research and find some opportunities for them that I could write a great piece for that they could 
you know, likely rank for, and that could come to and be like, hey, you know, there's a, there's there's 500 searches per month. If if we put this together, and maybe I can help you promote a little bit, um, this could bring value to your business instead of, hey, I've got a piece of content, it's mediocre. <laughs> Would you put it on your site? You know what I mean? Like that's often how people are approached. So trying to come from a place of value and empathy versus um, a place of requirement or need. Yes. And a couple yeah. things I want to, I want to backtrack. So a lot of my audience, they're affiliate marketers. So it's sure. interesting coming at it from the the local aspect. I imagine a lot of it, you know, trans transfers over like the guest posting or bringing value. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of the things I, I mention and try and get people to do is like, yeah, you want to bring value. So uh, potentially, like if you're pitching a guest post, you can tell the, um, the webmaster, Hey, I'm going to mention products. You could put your own affiliate links in there. And mm-hmm. then they're like, Oh, Hey, maybe I'll make some money from it. And I would get free content. A lot of people are trying to publish often. So that's a, a great way to do it. Um, so the, the backtrack is like for affiliate marketers where the local, um, citations and stuff like that may not make sense. Do you have any other suggestions or just like start with a relationship building, do the guest posting, like try to be a member of the community at large, that sort of thing? Yeah, I would as soon as possible start building that Rolodex because you never know when uh, affiliates, in my experience, don't just build one website and then that's their one website forever. Um, They tend to move into new markets and all that kind of thing. So building that Rolodex and respecting that Rolodex is really important. Um, and doing that as early as possible, like keep a database and just like you would if, um, you know, you're going out to meetups and you're trying to keep track of the people that you are meeting and how you might, you know, bring value to them in the future and who they work for and all that kind of stuff. Same, same thing applies here. There, it, I think oftentimes we think of all of these things as websites and not people, but they're people and, and we need to kind of talk to them like people. And that's, I think that's the only way that as an affiliate, you're going to get, um, sort of above the, the, the fodder, if you will. And I would recommend not, and this is kind of a no brainer, but again, uh, a lot of people try to go for scale and they may, they fail miserably. And some people can do scale, like the guys over at authority hackers, those dudes can do scale, but they also have you know a decade of link building experience. So, yeah. right. But basically what I was going to say is um, don't be afraid to reach out on via Twitter. Don't be afraid. You know, if you've got something of value to bring, people will reply to you. Maybe not always. Like you're going to face a lot of rejection, of course. That's just part of it. But uh, don't be afraid to reach out on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on um, and don't be afraid to do the follow up. A lot of people, they just they do the single email or the single outreach and like, you and I, I'm sure are both guilty. We miss stuff like that. Like I have missed really good opportunities in my inbox just because I forgot this, you know, it was like, a. I can remember one specifically a, a, a roundup and it would have been an incredible link, super, super, super good link. And I just, I got busy. I forgot about it and they never reached out again and, and they never reached out again. <laughs> that opportunity never came up again. So yeah, don't be afraid to to follow up. Don't be afraid to reach out um, and treat people like human beings. Very good. So last uh, link building question we'll have time for is around link quality. So obviously this is very important. We don't want to get garbage links. So how do you approach link quality? Yeah, that's a, uh, a big, big question that requires a big answer. But um, we try to do as much by metrics as possible. So stuff that can be automated as much as possible. And we try not to forget the basics. And the basics are things like you wouldn't believe how many people never check whether the the site that they want to link on is even indexed. How many pages are indexed? If you search the brand name, does it even show up? Was it previously penalized? Did you throw it in Ahrefs and look at their organic search trend or organic traffic trends? Was there a big drop off or does it 
continue? Is it, it go, you know, the organic traffic going in an upwards trajectory? Have you looked at the referring domains? Have you taken the time to actually look at the links? Like you might see Forbes in there, but that doesn't mean it's a good link from Forbes. You might see um, uh, other big sites that you recognize. It doesn't mean it's a good link from that site. Like sometimes I'll go into an agency, I'll be looking at an agency's website and I'll look, open it up and be like, holy crap, they've got a lot of great links with high domain rank and, and everything. Um, but then I start opening up the, the links themselves and they're all block comments and not all links are the same. Mm-hmm. I, I believe, I don't believe a blog comment has the same weight, assuming they're all um, every time I say do follow now, I think of Nick Eubanks and how he's like, there's no such thing technically as do follow. Like there's no do follow in the, you know, it's just a link. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, there's just, there's a lot of just some basic stuff. So I try to focus on the metrics first and just get stuff, start with the stuff that you can, if possible, automate, or if not possible to automate because, you know, you don't have the programming chops or have a programmer, which, I should say it was probably the best hire I ever made early on was hiring a programmer. Um, but if uh, you want to try to process all that stuff for people who don't have a lot of experience in SEO so that they can do that first sort of bit of qualifying so that when the link gets to you or somebody that you have to pay more money to per hour, um, that most of the, the crap is gone. And now they take more of a qualitative approach where they're opening up the website. They're looking, okay, where, you know, pull up the last 10, uh, last 10 blog posts, for example, where are they linking out to? How are they linking out to those sites? Is it a super keyword rich anchor? Is it going to, you know, nasty websites that are, that have nasty inbound links? Um, those kinds of things do the, what kind, how kind of, um, you know, are they linking out from their sidebar? Who are they linking out to their sidebar? Is there footer stuff going on? Um, what's the quality design? Who are the authors? Are the authors even real? Have you taken the picture and thrown that into TinEye to see if this person is even real? Like, are these real sites kind of thing? But ultimately, the sort of most important thing, I think, um, is tossing it in something like Ahrefs, looking at the organic traffic trends and, so long as it seems to be on the up and up and maybe you've looked at the website and it looks legit, um, that, that covers a lot of the basis. Just doing that covers a lot of, a lot of the basis. Cause I think, uh, I think traffic is kind of like the king or queen metric. It's Google has said, by, by Google has evidence there, rather there is evidence here that Google likes this site. Otherwise, Generally speaking, obviously there are plenty of exceptions. They wouldn't be giving it lots of traffic. We wouldn't be increasing the amount of traffic and they have, wouldn't have been doing so for the last two years, you know, through multiple core updates, blah, blah, blah. Awesome. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Like if just the default that you can go to organic traffic, it like summarizes a lot of the other details. Met, other metrics can be gamed and played with and manipulated a little bit, but those, you know, organic traffic, that's pretty solid. So excellent. Well, Adam, it was a pleasure talking to you. Where can folks find you? I'll link up all this stuff in the description and show notes and whatnot. I think, um, uh, I do a crap job with Twitter, so I won't say Twitter. Uh, I would just say email probably. I'm pretty good about my inbox. Adam at loganics.net is um is the best way so my inbox is uh would be happy to get an email from i'd be very happy to get an email from anybody all right well and i'll I'll point people to check out the website in general sure check out some of the other uh things that you have there i know there's some good uh content so i will link up those interesting stories and uh thanks again adam have a great day there yes thank you Thanks again to Adam. I really appreciate him taking time out to chat with us today. And I definitely recommend if you're looking for like premium level service as far as like guest posting placement and stuff like that, definitely need to check out Loganics. Funny story. I didn't know how to pronounce uh, Loganics. And I, I guess it's a play on like local and organic with a little, uh, you know, embellishment on the end. And uh, I didn't know how to pronounce it. So I was mispronouncing it 
putting the accent on definitely the wrong syllable for a pretty long time. I've actually mentioned it on the podcast (laughs) a few times and I was totally fucking it up. I mean, it it was totally my bad. I, I didn't know. I only read the name of it. So I didn't know how to say it. But before the interview started, I, uh, I asked Adam, how do you say that? And then it was like, oh, well, I'm a moron. So anyway, uh, you always got to ask. And it's pretty funny um, when you think about it, because a lot of this online marketing stuff, we're, we're just reading. A lot of times we're just reading. Um, you know, now we have podcast and uh, YouTube and all that. So you do hear how people pronounce things. But in a lot of cases, I'm just reading things. So like I said, I, I had this interaction with um, like the outreach folks and account managers and stuff like that at Loganics, but I never heard the actual word verbalized out loud. So anyway, funny little story. And speaking of funny stories, I mentioned a few episodes back that I would explain why I do like very little editing uh, to these podcasts. In fact, I edit it myself. I kind of like to have control of it and I don't want to, I mean, I outsource a lot of things, but this sort of gives me a little bit of control and I get to make sure that, you know, I'm publishing exactly what I want to. However, I, I don't edit it super hard and you get like the natural cadence of the pauses when I talk. Um, I know a lot of other podcasts out there are a lot more polished. They may have an announcer at the beginning Um, some kind of cool bumper music and just a voiceover person to do the introduction. And then they have all, like not all, but they have many of the pauses and filler words removed. So a couple things like number one, that's expensive to do. Uh, I'll be honest with you. That's expensive to do. And I'm not trying to monetize this podcast directly. I'm just doing it because I, I like to talk and listen to myself talk. And I was hoping other people would like it too. No, but seriously, like it it's a decent amount of cash to have an episode edited. And at that point, it's like, I'm not sure if the edits would be what I want. In fact, when I listen to podcasts, and I've noticed this for years, like if someone is editing it pretty heavily, they have a lot of sort of like... F- you could hear the edits. You could hear when someone is removing an um or when someone's thinking. And I don't know if I like that. It's it's not a natural way to hear someone talk. And it's just the approach that that I prefer. Now, let me take like a one level up. So I've listened to podcasts for a super long time. And the early ones that I listened to were beer brewing podcasts. I was so into those. And those were like, a real radio show. It was like three hours long. There would be multiple people. Um, these were like well-trained audio folks. I think one of them worked, one or two of them worked at radio stations before, um, like a college radio station or whatever. Um, but they, they had DJ chops, right? They had AM radio, talk radio chops. They knew how to use the equipment. The audio was very good, but they would they would have like uh, you know thirty minute segments and a commercial break, and they would have these like long meandering three four hour long podcasts. It was super cool, and a lot of times, I mean, brewing beer for the folks that know what it's like, it takes a little while, and there's usually a lot of activities that you can do during the brew day um, while you're listening to a podcast. So I I love those long form podcasts and you can imagine they were not edited. They, a lot of them were actually, um, streamed live. And this is back in the early days. This is like 2007. Um, 2007 is when I was listening to, to these beer brewing podcasts. So anyway, they were raw, they were unedited. Um, even if they recorded it and it wasn't, um, like published live, like a lot of them were, they would not edit them. They would they would just go with it. And I think I enjoy that, number one. So th- th- those were the original ones. Then more recently, I've been listening to comedians podcast. And a lot of times, well, those could be a little crazy, I'll be honest with you. But there's a couple that are that, that I listen to like more often. So Bill Burr really like his podcast, and he's He's been doing it for a very long time. He's hugely successful 
Um, he's an actor now. He has like a specials out there uh, for stand up on like Netflix and other uh, mediums out there. But basically, he he records into a recorder and like doesn't do any editing. It's just like him rambling for about an hour. And I think I think people probably it's storming here. All right, that, that was actual thunder. So I'm in a quiet area, but uh, you know what? You can't cover up the thunder. That's pretty loud. So anyway, um, Bill just talks. Um, some of it is uh, incoherent <laughs> rambling and uh, just kind of funny, but you like you really connect with him because he is just talking to you. He's talking to you, and I really enjoyed it. Another person is Theo Vaughn. He occasionally has um, a guest in there a little more often than Bill, I would say, but Theo Vaughn, another uh, very funny comedian, and he just talks. He just talks, again, very little editing, and you really get to know the person, and I like that. I really like how that's done. A lot of times, like Bill, his podcast, no intro, no outro, there's no announcer. He just rolls in. Hey, what's going on? Like, that's it. Um, I think Theo, sometimes he'll have uh, some bumper music coming in and that sort of thing. But I, I really enjoyed the minimal amount of production. And it's just, you're talking to a person. And that's what I wanted to do. Because a lot of the podcasts in the internet marketing space, um, they sound all alike to me. And I think, here's here's my honest, well, you know that you're getting my honest feedback at this point. But the the thing is, a lot of us heard about like uh, starting a podcast and folks are, are teaching other people and they're, they're teaching us like, hey, go to, uh, you can go to Upwork, you can go to Fiverr or wherever and you can get like your intro music done so it sounds professional and blah, 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 blah. But when it comes down to it, if they all sound the same, again, I'm just looking at the one little industry that I'm that I'm in. It's internet marketing and sort of entrepreneurship business. A lot of them sound the same with the same cheesy announcers and bullshit music. And it's like, I mean, it's, this is called the Duck Show. It's clearly all about me. So I don't want you to hear this uh, cheesy announcer that does voiceover. I don't really like it. And the shows that I like don't have that. They generally don't have that. So it's just, hey, we're getting into it. And yes, there's some other podcasts out there. Like I love Smart Passive Income, right? I don't listen to it as much now. Um, I'm, I'm not 100% sure why. I think maybe I've heard a lot of the, the stories over and over again. So I'm like, all right, I'm, go I'm good there. It really has to be some kind of groundbreaking shit for me to pay attention. But um, yeah, there's an announcer over there and that's kind of the signature like deal. And obviously, I mean, Smart Passive Income, the podcast is in a different league, right? <laughs> I mean, it goes without saying, it's completely in a different league. Like if I get the number of downloads that packets like for my whole podcast, like just that he gets on one episode, I'd probably be really thrilled. So, I mean, I'm dealing with very like small numbers. But anyway, the point is, um, I, I don't like the overproduction. I prefer listening to podcasts where it's someone just talking and it's not overly edited. I mean, I'm not trying to compete with like uh, like NPR and like these highly produced like podcasts. It's just me with a recorder. Sometimes, like right now, I'm sitting in front of my computer um, recording on GarageBand, but I actually prefer just like a microphone in the recorder and uh, it's just raw, just me talking and you know hopefully i've thought about what i'm going to say and i have like an outline and all that kind of stuff but um that my friends is why i have a very uh like it's like a lo-fi sort of production i try to keep it quiet i mean if you hear noise right now that is heavy rain and hail coming down sometimes hitting the window so that <laughs> i may need to take cover here shortly but anyway i wanted to tell that story and i may actually pull this audio out and put it in another um in another segment in another area at some point cuz um i think it's i think it's a little bit different and, and actually i know it's hard to get feedback but if you have any opinions on the way i'm doing this um i'd love to hear it cuz i'm sure some people are like come on dog like get an announcer man those announcers sound so good those sweet smooth voices um but 
you know, I, I don't know if I like it as much. And that's cool. I mean, I'm, I hope you have an opinion one way or, or another. Like the worst thing is like, if you have no opinion. So, um, I want, I want you to either like, Hey, I'm for it or I'm against it. You know, the announcer, not, not, not the whole thing, but like, uh, I want you to be for it. I want, I want you to be for the podcast. I mean, if you've listened this long and I'm just rambling incoherently now, but that's why I'm doing it. So thanks again to Adam. I do appreciate it. And do check out Loganics. Check out the educational material over there. Very insightful. And I didn't mention this before, but if you're interested in doing like agency work and stuff like that, I would review some of the stuff that they're doing at Loganics. I mean, the key thing with running an agency, I believe, or at least like in the link building and uh, sort of SEO area is like, you want to have like super high quality. You want to be like differentiated from people providing cheap services. One way that you can do it is like going to a high end, like premium company like Loganics so that you're not um, like compromising and, you know, your clients are unhappy because they're getting something different than what they expected. So anyway, I will leave it at that. Have a great day out there and we'll catch you in the next episode.